Hey everyone and welcome back to What's the Plan, the podcast where we dive into the matters of our careers in the architecture and urban planning field. I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. So Haley, what's the plan this week? This week's plan is all about Bill 109. Yes, so with the election coming up, we thought uh, we'd cover the controversial bill that the Ford government has introduced back in March. Controversial? See, yeah, controversial in the fact that uh, many politicians, city planners, and critics have quite um, the opposing views on whether or not the bill is good a good step, or mm-hmm. as I quote a local city councillor, uh, irresponsible and disappointingly immature response. That is quite <laughs> a reaction. Yeah, I'll just leave this councillor nameless and you, you guys can figure it out yourselves. <laughs> I mean, it, if our listeners want to search it, I guess they can. <laughs> yeah, you can take that direct quote and just insert it into Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, Andrea, why don't you talk about what Bill 109 is? Yeah, so introduced on March 30th, 2022, mm-hmm. Bill 109, also called More Homes for Everyone, uh, proposes targeted policies for the immediate term that make housing fair for hardworking Ontarians and make it faster to build the homes that the families need and deserve. So how does this legislation actually make housing fair for everyone? Yeah, so before I get into the nitty-gritty details, um, it should be noted that this bill is more of an am- amendment to five pieces of existing legislation Okay. Um, as a response to the Ontario Housing Affordability Task Force reports, 55 recommendations released on uh, February 8, 2022. Mm, okay. Yeah, so these five pieces of legislation are, one, the City of Toronto Act 2006, Okay. Um, secondly, the Development Charges Act of 1997. Wow, okay. Yeah, from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, third, the New Home Construction Licensing Act, which is uh, created in 2017. Okay. And also uh, the Ontario New Home Warranties Plan Act, as well as the Planning Act. Okay. Mm-hmm. So since there is a lot of changes, I will try my best to summarize them as short and sweet as possible, but uh, buckle up. <laughs> So, the first amendment is okay. uh, refunds for application po- uh, fees. Mm-hmm. So, what this is, is uh, it requires municipalities to gradually refund application fees to applicants who do not receive a decision mm-hmm. on their zoning bylaw amendments uh, or site plan applications within the legislative timelines. Right. Yeah, so this would apply to applications made on or after January 1st, 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what exactly this timeline is, um, they didn't explicitly say, mm-hmm. but say that like typically maybe it takes like a month for cities to respond on these bylaws. If they do not respond within a month, they have to refund the uh, application process. And I don't know if that means like the application has to restart, but basically you don't have to pay again to get it reviewed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like you would only pay once for the actual successful process. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now you pay as many times as necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another major change is to the community infrastructure and housing accelerator tool. Okay. And um, by establishing a new community infrastructure and housing accelerator (CHA) tool for municipal requests to expedite zoning outside of the green belt area. Okay. Um, another is that uh, there's a whole section to this actually. It's ministerial approval, and this includes appeals, referrals, and time suspensions. So under this uh, change, the minister shall issue guidelines governing the scope of how uh, this authority may be used and the guidelines would need to be put in place before an order could be made. 
Okay. So it feels like it's giving the Minister of Housing a bit more uh, approval or power mm-hmm. in order to make things work or progress faster. Mm-hmm. So another aspect is uh, provide the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing mm-hmm. with uh, new discretionary uh, authorities mm-hmm. when making decisions. Uh, for example, to they can now, uh, quotation mark, stop the clock, Okay, which is... Uh, giving them ability to say that they can request for more time if it's needed to just decide on all official plan matters mm-hmm. to subject uh, to minister's approval. Mm-hmm. And uh, this includes like things that are currently in transition for matters that are currently before the minister. Mm-hmm. So that things that they do not necessarily look at right now, but if it was to be brought to them. Okay. Um, another part of this greater uh, authority given to them is to refer all or parts of an official plan matter to mm-hmm. the Ontario Land Tribunal for a recommendation mm-hmm. as well as forward all of an official plan matter to the Ontario Land Tribunal to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So basically if he, they can't decide, mm-hmm. they can pass it along to this uh, this group of people to help decide the matter as well. Mm-hmm. And also for our planning listeners or um, our listeners who are familiar with the planning process in Ontario, the Ontario Land Tribunal, the OLT, mm-hmm. is um, like a board of people who oversee cases. Um, and so with this being said, it would take up a lot more time to actually yeah. go through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the more people that has the ability to make an input, it's like usually it takes more time to discuss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another major change uh, this bill brings is to uh, site plans. Okay. And um, the change requires decisions on site plan application to be delegated to staff for applications made on or after July 1st, 2022. Okay. And the other part is that it will extend site plan application reviews from 30 to 60 days. Giving um, the government more time to review it? Yeah, giving them more time to review it. So similar to the previous Mm -hmm. part where like, you're giving more people input it's like once again this step is also getting um stretched out right okay yeah and as well um, for site plans is to establish regulation making authority to prescribe complete application requirements for site plan applications okay yeah i'm not quite sure what they mean by like establish a regulation since like Mm -hmm. shouldn't there be already a set of regulations but uh yeah we shall see (laughs) Another aspect that is being changed is surety bonds mm-hmm. and is to establish regulation making authority to authorize landowners and applicants yeah. to stipulate the type of surety bonds and other prescribed instruments to be used to secure obligations in connection with land use planning approvals. Can you describe what a surety bond is? Um, from the sounds of it, it's, <laughs> it's like there's sort of somewhere agreement that like for you to get this land, you must mm-hmm. be able to provide X, Y, Z. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And as well as uh, draft plans and last plans of subdivision mm-hmm. is being amended. Um, and they will be establishing another regulation-making <laughs> authority to mm-hmm. prescribe what cannot be required as a condition of subdivision approval. Right, okay. Um, as well as establish a one-time discretionary authority to reinstate draft plans of subdivision that have last within the past five years. And this is subject to uh, consumer protection provisions. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I think this is for, like, to make it easier for people to who have a big pile of land mm-hmm. that currently only have, like, one house sitting on it to divide that and to build more um, affordable homes. Mm-hmm. 
And another aspect that is being modified is the community benefits charges and parkland contributions. Okay. And um, they'll be establishing another group of regulation making authority mm-hmm. to require public reporting on development applications and approvals. Mm-hmm. And they'll require municipalities with a community benefits charge, also yep. known as a CBC, to, uh, bylaw to undertake and complete a review, including consulting publicly mm-hmm. on their bylaw at least once every five years. Okay. So the idea is to like open it up to the community members so they're more aware of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, the last major change is the implementation of a tiered alternative parkland dedication rate for transit-oriented communities okay. and to provide um, increased certainty of parkland requirements. Mm-hmm. So basically what this states is that for sites less than or equal to five hectares, mm-hmm. uh, parkland would be dedicated up to 10% of the land right. or its value. Okay. As well as uh, for sites greater than five hectares, uh, mm-hmm. parkland would be dedicated up to 15% of land or its values. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you can't just use 100% of your land mm-hmm. for, uh, for whatever you plan to do. Mm-hmm. And um, this encumbered parkland could be identified through an order of, by the Minister of Infrastructure as well. Okay. Yeah. So by the sounds of it, Bill 109 yeah. has quite a bit tied into it. Yes. Um, so why don't you start off and tell us what Bill 109, or sorry, can you start off by telling us how Bill 109 affects the architecture industry? Yeah, so from my understanding of the bill, I think mm-hmm. the, there's three major uh, impacts on the act- architectural process or design process of mm-hmm. construction. Um, of buildings as well and um, the first one would be the refunds of application fees mm-hmm. so currently um, it takes a long time for SPA approvals mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um, on the, based on how your application process works is that there is a dedicated amount of time yeah. and if you do not get a response within that time it's like you already paid for it however mm-hmm. you don't get a review so if you want to get another review or someone else to look at it, you have to pay again. Mm-hmm. So by um, removing these uh, fees or maybe having those cities refund mm-hmm. the applicants, it uh, lower costs for zoning bylaw amendments. Mm-hmm. And in turns, I think that means like it's a reduction of barriers mm-hmm. for home types that are currently illegal and mm-hmm. to allow people to build more different types of housing. Okay. So that would be a positive. Yeah, change. I think that's okay. one positive change. Mm-hmm. Uh, one negative change would mm-hmm. be the extended SPA review process. Right. Means a longer timeline from uh, permit to tender. Mm-hmm. And like depending on this, like the size or the scope of your project, this could mean like weeks uh, delayed mm-hmm. or maybe even months delayed. Mm, okay. And like this leaves a lot of projects in limbo where like. For us on the architectural side, it's like we cannot move forward mm-hmm. to like continue uh, working on construction drives if we don't even know if our site plan is being approved. For sure. Okay. Yeah, and then turn it also like slows down or delays the tender process. Mhm. Mhm. And then another aspect that, or another impact to architecture is the community infrastructure and housing accelerator tool. Mhm. Um, personally, I have like mixed feelings about this. Okay. I think in theory this tool helps speed up the development of suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the end, that just kind of speeds up like urban sprawl. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you. it's a good tool, but if in the wrong hands, it can be used in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about planning? How does this bill affect the planning process? So I think the last 
note you just made. Yeah. In theory, <laughs> Bill 109 is a good idea. Yeah. You know, putting legislation in place with goals to expedite the planning process to create more homes yeah. and hopefully mitigate the housing crisis. That yeah. all sounds so good and yes. it sounds like what we need. Mm -hmm. But the bill just means an increased provincial jurisdiction on local planning processes yes. and decisions. Yes. <clears throat> and that's an issue because planning at the municipal level should be governed by the municipal government or yeah. sorry, municipal jurisdiction and allowing the province to make decisions on local planning matters would only work well if every municipality operated in the exact same way yes and if the province would also take responsibility for the things within the municipal planning process that goes wrong as well mm -hmm. and with that being said bill 109 also penal also penalizes municipalities for decision making that aren't entirely in their control yeah. and within the planning process uh, planning approval process mm -hmm. there are so many key players responsible that take part in the process and throughout the process mm -hmm. so that the onus should not only be placed on the music on the municipality mm -hmm. just because they're the ones with the decision to approve or not yeah and that also ties into the cost of new development being shifted from developers to taxpayers mm. in the situation that these timelines are not met based on the refunds that you mentioned. Yeah. And another really big way that this affects the planning process is that as a result, municipalities are forced to reduce or even altogether eliminate important aspects of the planning process, yeah. including opportunities for public input. Yeah. Because as you mentioned earlier, if all of the official plan matters go to the OLT, mm -hmm. then that becomes um, like a case and private opinions no longer have that big of an impact. And well, then where do the voices go? Like mm -hmm. who listens to the people who are actually affected by new development? Yeah. And those are definitely not good things. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's safe to say, like, overall, mm -hmm. the changes would primarily benefit businesses uh, that are in the industry by expediting development approval processes, mm -hmm. as well as increasing certainty and removing barriers and enabling more timely decisions. And it's it's a, a good first step. Mm -hmm. However, it is not aggressive enough in comparison yeah. to what was suggested. Yeah, not at all. So I know that uh, a large issue with uh, Bill 109 is that a lot of the recommendations from the Housing Affordability Task Force wasn't addressed. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the recommended items in the Housing Affordability Task Force that is missing in Bill 109? So one key recommendation that the Housing Affordability Task Force suggested, mm -hmm. which Bill 109 didn't include in the include mm -hmm. is the proposal to ban zoning rules which currently exclude anything but single-family homes yes <laughs> in large areas of the province's cities yeah which in my opinion is contra uh co contradictory mm -hmm. to what the bill is about yeah because as you mentioned the bill is also more homes for everyone but if you if the province is still allowing zones to only accept 
single family homes, mm -hmm. then how does that really provide more homes for everyone? Yeah. Yeah, so essentially it's not equitable. Exactly. Because you're only allowing a certain demographic of people that can afford the single family homes mm -hmm. to have more housing. Exactly. And it's definitely not a good way to utilize lands mm -hmm. if it's just single family homes. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's um it encourages sprawl yeah. as opposed to building up. Yeah. So ultimately, um from what we've talked about, mm -hmm. Bill 109 seems not only seems to only be looking at the housing crisis from a single very narrow lens, mm -hmm. which is going to create many more problems yeah. than it intends to solve. Yeah. As I mentioned, in theory, it sounds very good, but there's definitely a lot more tweaks that need to be done mm -hmm. to make sure that the bill actually leads to what it stands what it intends to do mm -hmm. and actually provide more homes for everyone yeah so with that in mind i think that like we have to really assess um who is running for the election mm -hmm. what each party is bringing to the table that can help benefit and actually make this bill uh actually a fairer and uh more equitable opportunity for people to get housing mm-hmm and cutting the red tape is not the answer to the housing crisis, especially mm -hmm. when the root cause of the crisis isn't actually addressed. Mm -hmm. In addition, um, the penalty-based approach to the development process is concerning, and it puts the responsibility on the wrong key players. Exactly. So overall, understanding what Bill 109 is, is the plan for now, mm -hmm. and learning how we can improve it to become more equitable and actually provide more homes is the goal is the goal <laughs> listen to our next episode to continue figuring it out with us thanks for following on to this episode if you liked it please give us a like review and subscribe for more until then follow us on instagram at what's the plan podcast for what the next plan is